it was so interesting looking back because I had so much success happening, you know, like my business was absolutely exploding. You know, the, the month um, that I went on Shark Tank, like I did five times what I would normally do a month in sales. Like it just was insane. And I was so miserable inside. Like I just, I hated everything. I hated my life. I hated everything that I had created. And I was just work, trying to work so hard to like find that happiness and that fulfillment. Like work was really my escape. And no matter like how hard I worked, I still couldn't find that happiness. Welcome to The Balance Theory, a podcast aimed at arming you with tools and tips so that you are well equipped to not only identify and define, but own your own definition of balance. I'm your host, Erica, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, balancers, and welcome to episode 58 of The Balance Theory podcast. This is your host, Erica, joining you for another guest episode week. And I am almost in disbelief that we are just about to head into November. Crazy to think there are only a couple more weeks left in the year, maybe an opportune time to revisit those goals that you set yourself at the start of the year. Do they still align with what you want for yourself or where you're at right now? Have you achieved some of them? Can you cross some of them off? Are you almost there for some of those goals? Can you push a little bit harder in any of your areas to hit certain milestones? So a really good time to just reflect, see what you can achieve between now and end of year. And also maybe just have a little reflection on What's been your biggest takeaways and how much you've grown since the start of the year? So I always like reflecting and I'll probably reserve the last Monday Muse as I did last year for a really nice reflection on the year to sort of wrap it with a nice bow and allow us to move into the next year sort of 2021 mentally free in a good way, of course. So stay tuned for that one. That will most likely be first week of December. But um, yeah, warm weather's upon us. My coffee order's officially gone from my almond piccolo to ice long black, which means the heat is here to stay, which I'm excited about. And that's about it from me. I did drop a little nugget a couple of weeks ago that I had something exciting in the works and I still can't tell you guys full details of what that is. But if you're following along on socials, I'm doing a couple Q&A boxes, polls, stuff like that, which should sort of start to give you a good idea of what's coming, what's in the works. So hit us up at The Balance Theory on Instagram if you haven't already so you can stay in the loop. But otherwise, I'm so excited to bring you guys today's guests. So her and I had an awesome chat. We really got on. It's like one of those people you meet, you feel like you've known them for a lifetime. So I'm really honored to have had Iris on the show today. You guys might have heard of brands called Quick Flick and Beauty Fridge, which Iris is the beauty queen game-changing innovator behind. And through these brands, she's been able to challenge a perception of traditional beauty and the way it's actually marketed within the beauty industry. Her values for empowerment and self-expression is really what sets her apart from other entrepreneurs as she really advocates for real people and real experiences, which is something that shines through both of her brands and nothing short of what she expresses on today's podcast as well. Some of the things you can expect in today's chat is we speak about the degree she did and the work she's doing now, how there's some commonalities, but how doing a degree doesn't necessarily equal what you go into. And I'm sure some of you may have also had that experience. So she just chats through that and I guess the positives in doing that. So not to be too uncomfortable if you're studying something right now and you're not sure if it's what you want to go into. You guys know I studied law and media and it's not necessarily where I want to end up. So keeping an open mind and being grateful for everything you learn along the way is something that's really important. 
Iris was also one of the earlier entrepreneurs to the space. She sort of got in before running a business was glamorized on TikTok. So she shares her hardships with that and how I guess the innovation came to her whilst she was studying at uni and how she actually got a business up and running. She then takes us through her experience on Shark Tank. So for those of you who don't know the story, she was actually successfully offered equity from the sharks and she actually turned that down. So what mindset she was in, what encouraged her to do that and how she actually backed herself to make that decision. We talk about using work as a distraction. She also is very, very raw and vulnerable with me on today's podcast about her rock bottom, which I'm extremely grateful for. And she really doesn't leave many stones unturned. So just a little bit of a preface in that. She's quite open about the challenges in her upbringing, but most importantly, her resilience and what that period has taught her and how that's helped her reframe concepts like an ideal partner and family. So that was really humbling and really interesting to chat about with her. And I think it really showcased some of her beautiful qualities that has something to teach all of us. She then talks about being your own number one hype girl, breaking stereotypes. She gives us a couple tips for starting business or just getting started in general. And probably my favorite part, which is right until the end. So you'll have to sit tight for this is her definition of success, which essentially is about happiness, but with a twist of curiosity which was a really unique response and I think has something for each of you to take away. I know you guys are going to absolutely love today's episode. If you do want to let me know how you felt about it, take a screenshot, tag myself and Iris. Her Instagram is in the show notes below and I'd love to hear all of your thoughts. Just before we dive in, if you do have a spare minute or two to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, it really helps us grow and continue to reach new balances. So I would really appreciate any words you have to share. That's enough from me. Let's dive straight in and I hope you love today's drop. Today I am joined by the beautiful Iris Smith. Welcome to the Balance Theory Podcast. It's so lovely to have you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Likewise, I mean, your journey and your story is very, very impressive. So I'm very keen to dive into that as well as get to know a little bit about you, what you're doing now, and I guess a little bit about your backstory too. So for the listeners who may not have come across either of your brands or your profile as of late, can you share a little bit about who you are and what you're doing? Yes, no, definitely. Thank you for the nice intro as well. Um, So yeah, my name's Iris. I am Perth-based here in Western Australia. And um, I started my first company back in 2017. I was a student at the time. I was studying interior architecture, so a little bit different to what I'm doing now. Um, And started a brand called The Quick Flick, which is cosmetics and makeup. I then went on to start my second company in 2019 uh, called Beauty Fridge, which is like a skincare uh, electronic fridge, like the name suggests, pretty explanatory. (laughs) Um, And yeah, here I am now. Um, a few years on um, yeah running both companies still from Australia Um, we are based in Australia but we also sell internationally as well awesome now I'm so curious architecture and beauty products can you explain to me the jump did you ever actually work in architecture it was just more of what you decided to study at the time no I I didn't I ended up finishing my degree um, but I never actually ended up working in like a design role or anything however I feel like the two kind of blend in what I'm doing now and kind of allow me to look at um, like products a little bit differently when I'm creating them so I found like throughout my degree it was always about like challenging and innovating and how do we create products and design to be better and better for the user Um, so I definitely think that helped me when it came to actually creating my products and my first product the 
the winged eyeliner stamp. Um, but to be honest, I think I studied interior architecture because like I was just conditioned from a young age, like you have to go to uni, it's what you have to do. Mm. And like I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was like, I'll just do something. Yeah. And like I, I kind of knew like halfway through my degree, I was like, my heart's not really into this, but I just finished it because it's like what you should do, right? Mm. Yeah, interesting. We're always we're always torn between the the should and the like can I or, or should I or you know the obligation and like what we actually want. So yeah. In hindsight, what would you have said to your younger self, you know, diving into that degree, not necessarily knowing if that's what you wanted to do and sort of thinking, I've just got to pick something. What would you mm-hmm. have, what advice would you have wanted at that point in time? To be honest, I, like if I could go, go back, I probably wouldn't change anything. Cause like, I think even if you don't know what you want to do, I always say like, just do something. Cause like, it will lead you to what you love. And I definitely think like doing that design course and architecture course, it did lead me to what, you know, I I really wanted to do. And at the time, like running a business wasn't really a thing. Like it's not how it is now where it's like TikTok and it's like entrepreneur is trending and like everyone's starting a business these days. It wasn't really like that. Um, So I didn't really, you know, understand the concept of running an e-com site or, you know, running a business at all. Um, So, yeah, I definitely think it, it led me down the path to finding what I wanted to do. And I think people get stuck. Like, I just, I don't, you know, I don't know what to do. And they just kind of give up and don't continuously keep searching. Mm. So I think in hindsight, I'm glad that I just went and did something. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, and I think there's so much beauty in that because you find what you don't like as well. And you don't know that yeah. until you actually try it too. And who knows, like if you had not done the architecture degree, you may not have been pushed to, you know, follow your passion with with makeup or e-com or whatever it was that kind of pushed you in that direction. But what was sort yeah, of the definitely. moment that you, like what was, I'm just curious, what was the moment you decided to do the product? Was it because you like saw a gap in that, in that product? Were you interested in makeup? Like how did you sort of even get started in that shift? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I think it just came from my own personal struggle with wearing winged eyeliner and it had always kind of been my signature look for literally years. And no matter how much I practice, it still took me like 15, 20 minutes <laughs> and multiple arguments with my boyfriend to hurry up <laughs> um, and multiple breakdowns. Um, but yeah, I was just like, oh, surely there's like a tool on the market which will help me. And I did a little bit of research and I just couldn't find anything that I really liked. So it kind of just started as like a little bit of a side project for myself. Like, how can I? innovate this and change this and I started doing like little CAD sketch ups this was like when I was on um, a uni break in the middle of the year Um, and yeah just started kind of designing you know like this product which very selfishly was going to be for myself (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then I just thought you know maybe I have a, a product here that other people will want and then just in secret started building a brand around it it was really random and then I kind of I did it really quick to be honest um I did it like over a six to eight week period wow launched it yeah launched it um even now I look back I'm like, how did I do that like my latest products t- um has taken two years to work on <laughs> so I'm like how did I do that um yeah and then launched it and then I went back to uni and everyone was like what were you doing on your holiday? Like they saw I'd created this brand and everything. Um, so yeah, it came about really quick and I just sort of found a manufacturer, 
made a few hundred units, launched it, and the response was fantastic. And I guess the rest is history, you could say. <laughs> Amazing. It sounds so seamless, but I'm sure we're going to get into the nitty gritty of it as we as our chat goes on. So let's go to the point where you've launched. You obviously got a lot of traction and it start, the business started to do really well. The product was, you know, obviously something that was in quite demand. And yeah. I know you were um, approached to go on Shark Tank and you actually went on the show and were made an offer. And okay. so for a lot of people listening and, and I, to be honest, when I was reading this, I was amazed at your strength. And so this is something I really want to talk about because I also have an e-commerce business and I put myself in your shoes, you know, as a small business going on Shark Tank, being offered 300K and then turning that down. I really want to know from your opinion, what inspired you to make that decision and what has that taught you? Sure. Great question. (laughs) Um, So yeah, Shark Tank was an awesome experience and like it was so early on in my journey. When I actually filmed the episode, I was only like properly doing it for like two months. Like I was still working part-time at the time. (laughs) Um, I hadn't like fully committed yet. So yeah, to be offered that amount of money and have the evaluation of like a million dollars at the time was, was pretty awesome. Um, so how it kind of all works is you film the show and then there's a few months in between where you kind of don't really hear from the sharks because they're so busy filming all the other episodes. So when the time actually came when they um, contacted me, like let's actually go through all the due diligence and start working on finalising this deal. So much had changed and my business had just absolutely exploded um, through like during that short amount of time. So I had like retail offer on the table from Priceline. Um, Huda Beauty had like posted about um, how much she loved the eyeliner stamp. So it just blew up and I was like, my business is actually worth a lot more now. So I felt like I was cutting myself short. Yeah. Um, and I think also... It was, again, that whole, like, it it was a really interesting period where I learned a lot about myself in the sense of trying to not let other people's opinions and thoughts get in my head because everyone was telling me, like, this is such a great deal. Take the deal. Like, you have this great mentor with you. But then, like... What you should do, right? Yeah, what you should do. But, like, deep down, my gut was just telling me, like, you don't need this. Like, you're selling yourself short. You can do this on your own, like... I was just deep down, I was like, this isn't right. And even like my pup, my boyfriend at the time, who's no longer with me, he was even saying like, babe, you should take this. Like this is once in a lifetime opportunity. And it was just like, it was that turning point. I still remember it. So I was sitting in my office and I was like, no, I'm doing this alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, awesome. Yeah. So yeah. And, and I'm, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I did. And I didn't listen to what everybody was telling me to do at the time. That's awesome. And I guess that really says something about how you back yourself. And I think in day-to-day life, like a lot of us struggle to do that. It doesn't necessarily have to be in business, in just making decisions that intuitively feel right for us. So mm-hmm. what's kind of your take on backing yourself and listening to that to that gut feeling? I know you sort of just shared something there, but I think it's a lot easier said than done. You know, have you ever had moments where other than that, where it's been really tested and, and have you just kind of got anything that helps you stick to your guns in those moments? Honestly, I think making mistakes. <laughs> so I think there's been times where I haven't listened to my gut and it's come back to bite me. And yeah. it's like every time it's like. Told you so. <laughs> should have listened. Yep, yeah. Should have listened to myself. 
Um, so I think that, and, and you know, sometimes it's okay to make a mistake and stuff up because that ultimately will teach us that, you know, we do need to back ourselves sometimes and we do need to listen to that third sense or whatever people call it, that gut feel. Mm. Um, and it's such a like powerful tool as well when you're running your own business. Like I think people really underestimate the power of like trusting your gut because mm. more often than not, it's right, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it comes from as well, like hypothetically, like both you and I say run an e-commerce business, but we didn't study business, right? So sometimes that doubt creeps in of, do I actually know what I'm doing versus mm. your gut feeling? And sometimes they can be in conflict. And I think anyone listening can probably relate to any situation in their life where they've been in that moment and they feel like their gut's telling them something. It just feels a little bit contra to the status quo. And so I think that's a really nice way to reframe, I guess, those quote, I'm going to call them quote mistakes where you haven't listened to yourself and you've, and you've had that moment of realization. Okay. I should have listened to myself. It's a nice way to look back and go, that was, you know, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, showing you that you do know the answer sometimes. So just lean into that trust, but I love that concept. And I had a hunch that that was sort of what helped you make that call because you know, from an outsider perspective, it's a big call to make. And I, I know what it's like having a small business and having that offer and support on the table um, to turn that down would have been monumental. And I think obviously mm. ultimately a great decision for you and your business, but I think there's so much goodness in that story. So thanks for sharing that part of your journey. And I'd love for you to take me back now to say 2019. I know you had a few health challenges and even a lot before that. So Maybe you can talk to me a little bit about your experience because I don't actually know in in full depth. I've only been able to see snippets of it online. And then maybe we can Mm -hmm. chat a little bit about how you've sort of helped yourself out of that. Yeah, sure. So I guess, yeah, my upbringing, um, I was really badly abused as a child all the way up until the age of 17. So I moved out of home when I was 17, 17, the day before my 18th birthday, actually. Um, So, yeah, I was physically emotionally abused by my stepfather who I don't like to call my stepfather to be honest um and yeah it was a real turning point for me in um 20 2018 actually around the time of the whole shark tank show actually um I yeah I literally just hit rock bottom to be honest I had and it was it was so interesting looking back because I had so much success happening you know like my business was absolutely exploding you know the the month um that I went on Shark Tank like I did five times what I would normally do a month in sales like it just was insane and I was so miserable inside like I just I hated everything I hated my life I hated everything that I had created and I was just work trying to work so hard to like find that happiness and that fulfillment like work was really my escape and no matter like how hard I worked I still couldn't find that happiness Mm. and I literally remember driving home at like 11 at night because that's when I'd left work (laughs) because I was a real workaholic and I was just like can I swear go for your life (laughs) I was like I am so fucked up I am so broken I just want to go to sleep and never wake up like I was like I wish there was just a reset button that I could press because like no one can help me that is honestly how I felt like I felt like I was so broken and I think also looking back I was in a pretty toxic relationship with my partner at the time and 
his family, and I don't think it was intentional, but himself and his family really made me feel like there was something wrong with me. Like I was a psychopath and, you know, I needed to go speak to someone and get help. Like they didn't, they didn't frame it from the point of view of like, it's okay to go and get help to improve Mm -hmm. yourself. It was like, you're crazy. You need to go and get help because something is wrong with you. Mm. So I think subconsciously I was like, I don't want to get help because that's then me admitting that I'm a psychopath and I'm crazy and I'm broken. Um, So it actually took me the strength of ending that relationship and, and disconnecting with his family, which was really hard for me to do because I had grown up with such a broken family. Like I only met my biological father for the first time when I was 20. So for me, the definition of a family was one where you don't get abused, right? So in my mind, his family was like perfect. And it was so hard for me leaving that relationship because it also meant I left his family, which meant I was alone again, which meant I was abandoned, which meant I had nothing. So yeah, it actually took the strength of of leaving that environment where I was actually able to go and seek professional help. Um, And I think the most powerful thing for me was my first session um, with my psychologist. I I said to her, like, you know, I'm so fucked up, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I want you to realize you are not broken. You've just had some bad stuff happen to you and we need to work through it. And that was just such a big thing for me, having someone actually affirm to me, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You've just you've just been through some really crappy things, yeah. <laughs> and that's okay, you know. Um, so yeah, it took it took a good two years of seeing her once to twice a week to really you know work through um, you know my upbringing. But I think ultimately it was the best thing that I've ever done for myself, and it allowed me to completely changed who I was but I also completely changed my business because I realized I was running my business from this place of trying to seek you know that fulfillment yeah yeah and I almost became a prisoner to my business there was this sort of like weird relationship going on um, whereas now it's actually this outlet where I can express myself and you know create really magical things rather than feeling feeling like I'm constantly trying to prove myself um, in my business yeah, wow. Thank you. So that's for, it in a nutshell. <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I can't imagine, you know, what a tough time and what kind of position you would have been in, especially when you talk about your rock bottom. So I do really appreciate mm-hmm. you opening up and I'm really glad you've been able to work through those things. And I think there are a few really crucial things in what you've said that are really, really worthwhile speaking about. And I think the first one is this idea that, you know, at a point where your business ex- on the exterior looked like it was so successful, but you felt so removed from that. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, the whole concept of being almost like a slave to your work and by the sounds of it, it almost sounded like you were using work as a bit of a distraction. Like that was where you were trying to put, 100%. you know, all your energy into. I think in, in a lot of ways, a lot of people can relate to that potentially. And when we talk about balance on the podcast, we're looking at your health, your relationships and your fulfillment. That's where your work and your projects and all that sort of go in that last category. And so if you're kind of running away from these two, your health and your relationships, and you're running just to your fulfillment area, that's when we feel that balance starting to tip and really slide away from us. 
But provided, I guess, you've got a foot in each of the doors and you're actively working in each of the areas of balance, then that's your defined balance at that point in time. And so I guess from the moment you started to seek that help and really nurture your soul and your body to understand that you're not broken, you're just, you know, got to work through certain things. That's when you started putting back to your health area of your life, right? Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about your, so you've spoken obviously a little bit about your relationship with work and how now you're coming from a place of, of love and abundance and you're just, you know, it, it's coming from a completely different point. And I think no doubt that would have something to do with the success and growth of your business as well. So that definitely shines through. But talk to me a little bit about that that middle uh, relationship area. Have you had since sort of any experiences that have altered your um or I guess remedied your views or, or relationship with the concept of a family? And is that something you feel like has healed for you properly now? Oh, a deep question. <laughs> yeah, I definitely think, you know, uh, doing all of that, the therapy did help me realise, I think, um, that my, my perception of what a healthy family was was probably off. And I think... Maybe it doesn't answer the question 100%, but I think what it really, doing a lot of this healing allowed me to realise was how I could actually forgive um, my stepfather and also forgive my mother in a sense as well, who allowed what happened happen. Um, Because I was able to realise that these people have actually had their own abuse so my mother was abused as a child. My stepfather was also abused. And it's that pattern that then starts and repeats itself. And in my mother's eyes, you know, I, I don't like to measure how, how bad is a certain abuse because all abuse is bad. But, I mean, I won't say exactly what happened to my mother, but in my eyes it, it probably is a lot worse than what I withstood. So for her, her perception of how a child should be treated or how she should be treated in a relationship with a male is again, completely skewed. Mm. So in her eyes, when she was witnessing what was happening to me, she was like, well, what happened to me as a child isn't actually happening here. So it's not as bad. So I realized that we, uh, as we grow, we create all these different reference points for what we believe is and isn't acceptable. Mm. Um, So I think for me, moving through that and understanding that people do that it allowed me to actually forgive in a sense which was so powerful for me because there's this saying like um like hating and holding hatred towards someone is like drinking poison and hoping it will kill the other person and that's what I was doing I was carrying around so much hate it wasn't affecting them they didn't know what I was feeling I wasn't expressing it It was just boiling inside and like pulling me down um but it really allowed me to yeah, to forgive what had happened and, and realise that, like, hurt people do hurt people, which mm. obviously isn't acceptable. But I think sometimes when we're abused, we're trying to search for answers as to, like, why did this happen to me? Like, it's like that wanting to know, like, why me? Um, so I think that definitely helped me. And I think once I realised that as well, like, I was able to to realise that the reason I was choosing really shitty partners was, again, because my reference was off. And I was like, well... My boyfriend isn't, you know, physically abusing me. He might be doing this and this and he might be cheating on me, but it's not as bad as what happened to me growing up. So he's a good guy. Mm. So I think when I started to realize that and actually work through it and heal it, it actually allowed me to open this space where I could actually have a really great relationship. And I'm in such a fantastic relationship now. Um, 
which, which was really powerful for me because <laughs> I remember when I first met um, my current boyfriend, which was just at the start of my healing journey, I said to my therapist, I said, I don't like him. He's too nice. <laughs> I, said, I can't trust him. He's too nice. And it's like, because for me, love equaled someone treating me badly because that's all I'd ever known yeah. growing up. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers the question. <laughs> no, it does. And, and honestly, that's such a beautiful um, thing to realize and, and something that's so powerful. I think not only for yourself, for a lot of people to just tune into that empathy, there's, there's empathy and there's surrender, right? There's, there's things you need to, I think, I, I can't, honestly, I can't even wrap my head around sort of the process you've gone through and, and the upbringing you've had to get to that point. It is such a beautiful quality that you've got to be able to empathize with other people and understand where they're coming from, because it gives you the space to then hold for yourself when you're, you know, mm. creating, utilizing all the space around you and, and holding that for others. Like you said, like you were storing all that hate for other people. You just didn't have any extra room to then do the things you needed to do for yourself, to recalibrate your balance, to, you know, bring back your understanding and that gentleness and kindness to yourself. So I'm, I'm, so pleased to hear that you're now in a relationship that fills your cup, fills your soul. And I think everybody listening would have taken so much away from that response. So yes, you did answer my question and go above and beyond. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, And I guess off the back of that now, if you, I suppose, I mean, we, we don't parade on this podcast that there is any ideal concept of balance, right? There are things and days that go up and down, business, life in general. That's just the roller coaster, the way things go. But for you in your own life now, when you do still get those down days where you may feel a bit off, things don't really go your way, there's unexpected surprises with work. Having now gone through therapy, do you sort of have any tools or just things you've developed along the way, like listening to your intuition that help you sort of get out of that little rut? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I do, I do say like I have a little bit of a morning routine just to kind of like prep me up for the day. Um, and, I, and I don't always do it every single day. I kind of do it when I feel like the time is right. Um, so that can sometimes be meditation or journaling. I find journaling's um, really helpful for me if I have like a massive day coming up or a massive project and I kind of need to like nut out exactly what I'm going to achieve for the day. And I always write it in the past tense as if it's already happened. So it's I like getting that. your, yeah, getting your mind thinking that it's already occurred. So then your mind just plays it out. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I like, those are like two little things that I like to do, but like, it sounds really crazy, but I'm like, I just love hyping myself up. Like I just get in my head and I'm like, you're the fucking best. Like I just like, <laughs> I just talk to myself and I just like, I'm constantly saying it. And until I believe it, like yeah. if I'm feeling, I'm like, Iris, you are Iris Smith, like pull yourself out of this. Like, what are you doing? Like, I just talk to myself, but people probably think I'm mad. You should probably but- like record it and then just save it on your phone so you can <laughs> pop in your headphones when you need it. <laughs> I know, but I, I can feel it happening sometimes. I can feel my vibration lowering and I'm like, I catch it. I catch yeah. it when it's there. I catch that negative thought. And I'm like, how are you, like, wait, hang on a minute, let's rephrase that. And this is actually another tool that I created for myself. Um, I don't have my phone here, but on my phone, I set my screensaver as a younger picture of myself, mm-hmm. um, of me in like primary school. And I do this when I catch myself speaking negatively about myself, um, like, you know, trying to body shame or saying, oh, I look really shit today. Oh, I don't like my hair on my body and all this kind of crap. 
And I'm like, would you say what you're saying right now to that little girl? Because essentially we are still, you know, all of our younger selves, like they still exist in us in some way, shape or form. And I'm like, would you tell her that she can't do this? Would you tell her that she's worthless? Would you tell her that she looks bad in that outfit? No. Why are you saying this to yourself right now? <laughs> I love that. Love that. That was actually something I've learned along the way too. Like um, not, not necessarily in that light, but like how would you speak to your daughter or son, like a child, yeah. which is I think a really beautiful way to reframe because often we don't speak to ourselves the way we speak to our friends and vice versa. We don't no. really take our own advice either. So <laughs> I love that. No. That's great. Both really good tips. I want to ask you now a little bit more about your business. So I, I remember reading somewhere that you guys only use real customers. You don't touch up any of your photos. And I guess I'm curious to know, why do you think that that's important in, in terms of the, um, the message that you guys are trying to create? And I guess the reason I'm particularly interested is I think a lot of businesses claim to be, you know, this authentic, organic type thing, but then they'll still do like Photoshop, which I'm not throwing any shade at, but I do think it's really interesting to have a chat with you about this, given that you're not adhering to, I guess, that traditional practice, because I think it can really help us bring, and I'm going to throw in the concept of balance here really, because I think it helps us bring a more balanced approach to how we view brands and products. Now, before I let you give me, I guess, your two cents, the reason I'm also asking is I think in the social media space we live in now, even just like with the blow up of TikTok, looking at somebody's ideal day or the way they curate things, you know, creating perfect content is really damn hard and people who are good at it, like hat off to you. But I think it does create this construct of something that's really, really unattainable for a lot of people. And so I always love hearing when brands like yours are doing things like not retouching material or using a a variety of models or just a lot of, you know, user-generated content, stuff like that. So I guess I want to know why your business has decided to do that and why you think it's important for the messaging of your brand. No, definitely. Yeah, thanks for bringing it up. I think it's really important. And I've seen a lot of brands um, starting to do it more, which I think is great, but I do still think we have a long way to go. And like you said, you know, you see a brand saying it, but then it's not reflective in something else that they're doing. There's that disconnect. Um, But to answer your question, I think for me personally, it just came from my own personal upbringing of feeling like I wasn't good enough, feeling like I didn't look like these airbrushed, perfect, blonde, skinny models in Vogue magazine. Like I was obsessed with reading Vogue growing up. I used to have like it all plastered over my walls <laughs> as a child. But I think yeah, it did create this like unhealthy, unrealistic image in my mind of what I needed to look like. Mm. Um, so I think for me, when I created my brand, I thought, well, this is such a small percentage of the people who are actually buying my product. Mm. Like, why are people just using this one stereotype? Like that's not appealing. That doesn't make me want to buy that product. So I really wanted to create a brand where people could look at it and be like, oh, you know, she looks like me. My skin looks like that. Or, you know, they could identify with someone because they had the same color skin as them. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it just came from my own personal observations of what was out there in beauty and sort of realizing it was quite toxic. So I think it was really important for me to, to represent beauty in a way that was authentic and it only made sense. Let's use the people who are using our product, who love our product yeah. and let's not airbrush them and, or, or, or touch them up because they look perfect the way that they are. Um, 
So yeah, that, that's my answer. <laughs> Beautiful. That kind of reminds me of, I don't know if you've heard um, the owner and founder of, I think it's It Cosmetics. I may be getting it wrong, but she's American and she's just recently written a book, but it's basically along the same line. Like she was at a board meeting and was about to get this huge offer, much like you were a shark tank. And they basically just said to her, you need to be using slimmer models. Like you can't be using, because she was using a lot of models that were like quite realistic, had all different body types, just honoring women for the variety that they were. And she got turned down from a lot of board meetings, stuck to her guns. And now she like sold to L'Oreal for some crazy amount. But I do think there's such a beauty in, in retaining that authenticity. And, and you're right, like mm-hmm. really what what a lot of brands or I guess I guess there is a shift in consciousness especially with like the rise of social media but I think like traditionally speaking what a lot of the models that you see are not the majority of people um that that are consumers so I think it's really nice when you hear brands doing this sort of thing but with your um so with the quick flick in that range or within that brand is it just the eyeliner you've got or have you expanded that range as of yet no, we have expanded it. So the eyeliner stamp was the first product. And then um, we have introduced a few more. Um, one of our best-selling products is a, a two-in-one eyeliner and lash adhesive, which was the first lash adhesive to launch on the market, which you could actually use as a liner as well. Um, I wish all this was but- around when I was like 18 and living my best yeah. life. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Um, so, yeah, you can basically – I've got it right here, actually. <laughs> Um, you can basically just draw it onto your eye and attach a lash and you can reapply it as many times as you want it doesn't dry like normal glue Um, and I've got two other new products coming out in October 19th which are kind of more like skincare makeup merged products together awesome Um, so that's really exciting but yes we have expanded yeah and then the beauty fridge that's just for what would what would you house inside that because I'm like when it comes to makeup I'm like need one of those dummy books to go with it like I'm very simple have never like learned a lot about it so what for just for anybody listening who might be curious what what products should we actually keep cool um can you give us yes. a, little, a few tips yeah sure so I mean it's it is kind of designed more for skincare products um and our fridge actually has a hot and a cold um, setting mm-hmm. so on the cold setting you would store products like moisturizers serums um, sunscreen facial masks face masks um, anything that you kind of want to apply cold so it's quite cooling and soothing and helps reduce redness and the likes um, and then on the hot setting you can store products like um, waxes facial oils essential oils you can even do like little mini towels if you want to do like a little at home facial um, but some some people I know also store cosmetics in it I find lipsticks and lip liners are really good on the cold setting in summer because you know how like lip liners and lipsticks go really soft and they're really hard to apply. Um, So some people I know also store that in their fridges. So cool. I love it. So for anyone thinking, I guess like, it's always interesting and I love talking to people when they're getting that business itch, you know, when you, you know, when you first start thinking about it and you're so motivated and you've got all these things to do, but it's also super overwhelming because you just don't even know where to start. If anyone listening is sort of in that process of getting started, let's talk specifically with, say, an e-commerce business or an online business, what pointers would you have or what things do you think are most important to consider of all the incredible world of things you need to go through? (laughs) Sure. I think, well, the first thing is the product, I think, is the most important, the product or the service. Um, And I think it's important to choose something. Some people would disagree with me. 
but this is my opinion. I think it's important to choose something that you're genuinely passionate about because I've seen so many people who start a business or they choose a product that's just like a cash cow for them. And eventually they fall out of love with it and then it just becomes like a job for them, yeah. you know? And you and customers aren't stupid. They do see that. It comes through when something is, you know, disgenuine or the, the founder isn't truly connected with their product. So I think it's really important to choose something that you're passionate about or maybe you've experienced a personal problem with and it's like how can I go about solving this and creating a product that sort of solves the problem that I've had because I know other people are going to have that that problem as well um so I think yeah step one is like choosing a product and being in love with it and also making sure that there is a need for it other people want it yeah and some people I think when they're starting like they're so afraid to talk about it you know, like they're like, because oh, that's committing. Start- that's committing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, go out there, go stand in the streets in Perth and ask people, would you buy this? <laughs> <laughs> Is that what I'm you like, do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was asking people, like, you know, would you actually use this? And that's kind of how I identified, like, oh, hang on, I've got, like, I've got a product here. Yeah. Um, because some people are like, oh, you know, I'll just, I'll create this whole product and spend all of this work and then I'll launch it and hope people will buy it. I'm like, why are we doing this backwards? Like, go and, go and speak to strangers. Like, don't, don't speak to family and friends because you'll never get an honest opinion sometimes from them. Yeah, good point. <laughs> um, yeah, go and, like, ask people on the street, like, what do you think of this? Would you use this? Like, do some, like, research um, in the market and make sure that what you're launching is actually going to sell because there is a need for it. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm very curious to know what your definition of success is. And I love asking people this because it's so vast and varied. And I think people assume it's like, you know, once your business gets to a certain point or makes a certain amount of money. Um, But as we spoke about before, like your business was quite successful and, you know, you were completely somewhere else. So I'm very curious to know what your definition of success looks like today. Yeah. Okay. It's going to sound really corny and (laughs) probably just a bit cliche. I honestly think success is just really, truly deep down being happy with with what it is that you do. You yeah. know, being happy every day when you wake up. Um, and I think I think being happy, but at the same time, being curious to grow and to learn and to improve. Because I think sometimes some people also are happy, but happiness can also mean being comfortable and not pushing yourself. Um, so I think being happy and staying curious to to know that you can always improve but not not seeing that in a stressful way like oh I'm not perfect the way I am just being like curious about how can I improve and how can I continuously grow yeah I love that because it it honors the fact that success is not this end point it's not this one milestone exactly it's not this one milestone you hit it's something that's just constantly shifting and you know in five ten years what you think success is might change again and so yeah. that the fact I like that piece of happy but staying curious because it it really yeah. does honor that as long as you're in that sweet spot where you feel fulfilled I really think that that's what it comes down to but you're kind of growing and changing with the times or whatever your life throws at you I think that's a nice yeah. way to look at it as well I think the, the, the journey piece is beautiful and like knowing there is no like real end right like it is just finding those little moments throughout you know even throughout the day like where can I find these little pockets of happiness to kind of you know brighten and, and lift my day um because yeah I, I can totally resonate with that I was like when I when I hit this amount of revenue then I'll be happy or when I get into this retailer 
then I'll be happy. Let me tell you, you're never going to find happiness like that. That day will come where you get into that retail or you make that amount and you'll still feel empty, which is why like I did hit that low point. Mm. Um, It is like, and just ask yourself, like, where can I find happiness today? Like it's in the most random things. Sometimes like this coffee is the best cup of coffee I've ever I was ever just going to say that. You know, when I have my first <laughs> sip. I'm like, this is honestly oh, it's the best. best right? <laughs> yeah. So I think like it is about just like asking yourself, like, how could I make this moment be better? Like, what could I do to really find that happiness right now and what I'm doing? And I guarantee you, if you look for it, you'll find it. Absolutely. And I would even take it a step further and say, really, that's what balance is all about because life is hectic. It's unpredictable. And if you can just find those moments for yourself and literally a moment could be fleeting. It doesn't have to be a 10 minute meditation. It can literally be the instant the coffee, you know, hits your mouth or the second your partner walks in the door and you give them a hug, you know, it's just moments that make you feel fulfilled. For me, that's balance. If I go through a whole day without a moment like that, that's when I kind of feel the lulls shall we say? And I think now like us having been in lockdown for so long, like obviously that's more likely than not, but it's about finding and looking for those moments. So totally agree with everything you've said there. Love that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I want to thank you so much, not only for being vulnerable and raw on today's podcast, but just being yourself and sharing your story and your journey. And honestly, I'm so excited to see what the future brings for you. I mean, you've achieved so much in the last few years and I'm sure as long as you stay curious there'll be endless opportunities to come absolutely yeah thank you so much for having me really enjoyed it likewise and that's a wrap for this week balances thank you so much for tuning in I hope you found this episode useful to some degree in either steering or determining your definition of balance today As always, the biggest compliment for us is if you share this episode with someone who you feel might need it, or if you're on Spotify, you can click follow or on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. If you have any suggestions for up and coming podcasts, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email. Our Instagram is at the balance theory and our email is the balance theory podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, you've always got the option of subscribing to our mailing list. We only send you email reminders when the episodes drop so you get them fresh out of the oven. No annoying spam, we promise. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week and until next time, stay balanced. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.